Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Small Talk No More. I'm Alex and today I'm very happy to welcome Lucy Resick, who's the founder at Brotherhood of Brand and Marketing Director at Women in Games. Hello, Lucy. Hi, how are you doing? I'm very good. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Doing well. Um, well, thank you so much, uh, Lucy, for you know giving some time. Uh, just a quick note to everyone, I- I've... You know, we've been talking probably for 40 minutes before this and uh, <laughs> had like a really interesting and intense uh, conversation. So, you know, um, very excited to to find out more about your work, Lucy. Thank you. I'm pleased to be here as well. So it's going to be good. Amazing. Cool. So I do want to kick us off by le- le- letting us know who Lucy is and what your experience is. Okay, so um, yes, I'm Lucy Rissick, and what I currently do is I have a, a small agency called Brotherhood of Brand, where I do brand partnerships in the video games industry. So this is all about putting brands into either into the game or kind of working with them alongside the games. Um, mm-hmm. And I've been doing that for about 10 years. Um, I previously was at EA, and I've been at lots of other agencies. I've worked with all sorts of games, so from FIFA to Need for Speed to Hitman to Lara Croft, quite a, a, a nice little broad spectrum. And um, the other thing I did, which Alex has mentioned, is one thing I do is I'm marketing director for Women in Games. So within that is Women in Games um, has a, a mission of equity and parity for the video games industry for women. So um, I am there to try and help get more women into the games industry or girls or just sort of really kind of, I suppose, shout about it and get people to really mm-hmm. understand it and um, come and join us, really. Cool. Well, um, that's something that definitely we're going to explore later. <laughs> but before we get into something that is quite serious, um, let's try and relax and get to know you, okay. Lucy, a little bit okay. better. So we've got a few uh, quick and short questions and looking for uh, quick and short answers. Uh, okay. Ready for the game? Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's start with what's your favorite song or album? So this did take some thought, but I've gone for only you, but the Yazoo version, because that's better mm. with Alison Moyer. And there's just something about that song I really love. <laughs> it's very intimate when she sings it. So much better than the a cappella version. Controversial. Oh, interesting. Okay. <laughs> um, cool. So next is uh, what's the best holiday you've had? This is also going to be hard, but I actually think it's going to be Iceland because it's just an amazing place. Went to Reykjavik um, Mm -hmm. and I went at the time in the summer. So it was midnight sun, beautiful, um, cost a fortune, but just absolutely (laughs) stunning. (laughs) And we went, there was a cultural event and they had like literally parties in the streets and they put glitter balls down the streets and it was incredible. Mm. So I would totally do Iceland again. Oh, wow. That sounds really interesting, actually. I've got... I've got a good friend that lives in Iceland, so now I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to get a sofa invitation at some point. You should, so I can do, you should do that because it's so expensive to go and stay there um, and everything else. Oh, because they have to import everything in as well. So you Fair. go there and like a glass of wine is like £15. It's, it's worse than London prices. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, no. The best thing is 
this little top tip for Iceland. There's a small app called Happy Hour, and it's only for Iceland. And it basically tells you when all the happy hours are in all the bars in Iceland. So you can go in and stock up on your drinks or food <laughs> and then carry on. It's brilliant. Okay, I, I I just know what you spent your time doing when you were in Iceland. <laughs> that sounds like a really bad couple. Do you know what? I actually went there because my husband ran the marathon. And so we went and he ran the marathon. There was a big cultural event. So there was a reason. So he was running the marathon. I was just sitting there with a glass of wine, really, wasn't I? <laughs> yeah, so, you know, each of you were doing your own marathon. So, you know, one was running, the other was doing a pub crawl pub type marathon. of marathon. <laughs> No, it's a really uh, beautiful place, so definitely. No, cool. Um, I totally, totally agree with that. I've, you know, really looking forward to uh, yeah, at some point being able to. Yeah. Um, cool. Let's move on. A bit of controversy here. What's your least favorite fashion brand? Probably Primark, because if Primark. I go in there, and it's very minor, and I think a it looks a bit like a jumble sale. And B, you know, like you see, they often are these amazing influential people and they'll be like, oh, yeah, just bought it from Primark. And I'm like, where the hell did you find that? Because I go in there and it's just leggings and jumbles down. So I think it's, it's and you know what, I, I kind of like a bit of sustainability and throwaway fashion isn't that great. Um, and yeah, I think that's the best way of putting it, really. <laughs> they also over-license products. And in my brand partnerships hat, when I see Fortnite emblazoned across every single T-shirt, mm. I feel it's a bit grubby. <laughs> so you take it personal. Yeah, I'm like, that's horrible. <laughs> um, cool. So uh, I'm going to cut here for a sec. So I did put an artist you would love to work with. Um, but I'm thinking, would you like me to swap that and say a brand you would love to work with? Yeah, yeah, that's better. Cool. Okay, let's do that. So um, next is, what's a brand you would love to work with? Uh, so a brand I'd love to work with, do you know what's probably, oh, do you know what? I, I think I'm going to be really predictable and go for Off-White because I really, we really wanted to get Off-White into one of the games I was working on. And I totally appreciate Virgil Abloh and everything that he's doing and that actually becoming as an architect and going into the fashion industry. And he has made such a massive shake-up of Louis Vuitton. And mm. I just think that's Off-White such an interesting brand. And it, to be honest, in all honesty, I thought it was going to be such a fly-by-night and gone. And it's mm. still there. It's still sticking there. And I think, you know, they do interesting collabs. So I think I'd love to see them in video games more. Interesting. Mm. This is really, really fun. Cool. Um, okay, so now a bit deeper, uh, who's someone you trust? I think I'm going to have to say my husband, but also because I think he'd kill me if I didn't. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, he won't. That doesn't sound very trustworthy, does it? Um, no. Do you know what? He also works in the games industry. He's an incredible support, and he really helps my business, and I trust him so much. Obviously, you know, I have children, so yeah. <laughs> it makes a difference. Um, no, but he's someone that, that's, you know, obviously very important in my life and everything else. Yeah. So I think no, that's, that's fair enough. <laughs> um talking about um that um about games uh what's your favorite video game so i think it was actually i thought about this because i've um and i was actually gonna go back to my first like sort of one that i completed um and it's like well it's not that controversial but so there's an amazing series called Star Fox 
which people really love. Now, I like the one game that everyone doesn't, which is Star Fox Adventures, because the main thing of Star Fox was that mm. um, you sh- it, was, it was a plain game. You were shooting everyone. Star Fox Adventures, you're just running around. Um, but it, it, and it was on the GameCube, so this is old. But it was the first sort of one that I probably played from start to beginning on my own. So I'd played games mm-hmm. before that with other people or played Medal of Honor and all sorts of geekiness. I can, you know, World of Warcraft, I've, done, I've played everything. Um, but that was the one that I was like, I really liked that game and I, I completed it. So I think that's probably going to have to be my favorite. Okay. So are you more of a console person or a um, PC person? I think definitely more console than PC. I don't think I've played much on the PC. I've played a little bit, but no, definitely more console. And actually, my house has two Xbox Ones, so that probably says whether we're Xbox or PlayStation. Uh-huh. So, no, that actually says that you guys fight to play, so that you had to get a second <laughs> one. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, cool. Let, uh, moving on, who's someone you would take to a desert island? I would take, not wouldn't. We're going for words. Someone right. that you would, yeah. Right, so I again, I'm going to be a, it's going to be really topical, and I don't know whether this is a slight cliche of being topical, but I think it's got to be the notorious RBG this week. So it's got to be Ruth Baden Ginsburg. I work in an industry as well where you know uh, part of women in games and anyone mm. that's made amazing strides. I think she'd just be interesting. Look, do you know what? It's more about someone that would be interesting to sit and chat with if I'm yeah. on this desert island. I mean, obviously. If it was a real desert island and I needed help, someone like a you know Bear Grylls would be useful. But I think <laughs> just on sort of that you know uh, mental food and everything else, I think she'd be mm. fascinating and and what an icon really. No, yeah, absolutely. Um, mm. I actually did not expect this answer. And I think it's really really interesting that you know <laughs> someone no, that's been in my mind quite a lot this week as well. And I was like, actually, I think she'd be fascinating. Yeah. And, you know, she was right up to the end. She was someone that was talking about everything. So I think, you know, she's a real positive person to be around. And I think it'd be great to to sit and chat. Hmm. Um, this is actually really interesting. I'm going to ask you something about mentorship later. Okay. Um, no, because this is really interesting what you just raised here. Uh, I'd just like to ask you now who's someone you would not take to your definition. Okay. okay, I'm also going to be topical with this one. Um, and I think it's going to have to be, I wouldn't want to take Boris Johnson because of, and I think mainly, one, because I think he's going to burn very quickly. He's really pasty, I think. Mm. Um, but the other is, I think he would just be confused. Do we go in the sea or not go <laughs> in the sea? We can go into the forest, not go, you know, I just don't think we'd get anything done because of, he would constantly change his mind or tell you to do both things. <laughs> it's a very top or, one. Or <laughs> probably saying, no, this is not a desert island. It's an island. But it's not desert. You yes. Just people. Exactly. Yeah, I would be sitting there going, oh, I think he'd be dull. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, now, a bit of advice. Um, if you could give your 20-year-old self a piece of advice, what would that be? So I think I would be very much of like a don't get disheartened or, and, and carry on. So when I was in my – I've actually got a law degree. So I actually started off in the legal field and I've done my legal practitioners course and I really wanted to go into entertainment and sports law. That was really my field. That's what I wanted to do. And, mm-hmm. and you know, my career, no career path is straight. And I suppose that's the, the, the main bit of advice is to say, look, you know, 
go and do something you enjoy do something that you can really grow in and blossom or whatever and and really find you and that at 20 if I'd said oh actually Lucy you're going to go into marketing and video games I think I would be a bit like no I'm not I'm doing this I'm going into the law this is what I've always wanted to do um and I uh, and I'm glad to have done that and do you know what you know it changes you everything makes you very different now but you know it's probably like carry on don't worry it's going to be okay I think is also that side isn't it uh, I think that's really, really valuable, actually, and really interesting to see um, the kind of journey you had. I didn't know you you started off uh, <laughs> doing law, and I think this is very encouraging for, uh, you know, any young professionals that, you know, yeah. might be trying to get into the industry, whereby, you know, you don't really necessarily, like we spoke before the interview, like you don't necessarily have to go and do a degree that will get you a job in games. no. I think you're right. And I think very people, people kind of go, oh, yeah, you know, I want to get into marketing. I do a marketing degree. It's just not the case. Mm. And um, no, I did a, I, I've actually done my law degree. I've got my LPC. I've even got um, a postgraduate certificate in sports law. So I've gone quite far. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, and then life happens. I actually, from that point, um, my husband and I moved abroad. We lived in the US. I've lived in Geneva. I've had children and then sort of came back to my career at that point. And, you know, I'm really lucky. My career had a massive shift uh, in my late 20s, early 30s. And I was lucky then to now have this this fantastic, well, career that I'm enjoying anyway in the video games industry. And I suppose that's a, a way to show that it, it, games industry embraces everyone and, you know, there is place for everyone there. Mm, really interesting. Um, just on that point, you know, uh, you're, you've already praised the game industry quite a lot, but is there anything else uh, that you would say is the best thing about your job? I can't deny it. I've had some really good freebies. <laughs> So, um, and you know what? I've got some amazing FIFA shirts with my name on. I might have the odd signed thing. I've had some good freebies. I think if I was going to say real good pets, probably beyond the job satisfaction of getting to work in an industry I love and everything else, I've got some great freebies. It's terrible, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know, like free things are. Who, who doesn't love there. something that's free? I thought exactly. so, you know, been to some amazing events, got to travel loads. I can't complain. Actually, that's freebies because you travel and you collect all those air miles as well. Um, but no, do you know what? In all honesty, I've got to go to some amazing um, places and, mm. and really, I mean, a brilliant one was having to get in to go to Miami to go and look at the Windward Walls and talk to the guys at Windward about the street art, you yes. know, doing all that stuff just because we want to put it into a video game. I don't know many people who get the amazing, get to do lovely jobs like that. It's fantastic. Or, you know, I've been to London Fashion Week just to sit there and watch because of people want to get fashion, you know, video games more into fashion. And there is there's, there is some amazing things to we, you know, I've done. I can't complain. Well, but uh, I think that there's, 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 yeah, I think there's a, a common thing, like, you know, between cheap wine and free things. This, this. I'm not giving a very good impression of myself. <laughs> oh, well. um, no, it's still, obviously, it's good. It's, it's, it's fine. But you're, you know, it, it's good. Just I embrace to it all, Alex. I embrace it all. Of course. <laughs> Um, so, Lucy, uh, before asking you 
more about um, opportunities in games and, you know, the work you do with women, you put out a really good point earlier mm-hmm. about um, Ruth um, Ginsburg. Yeah. And um, I find really interesting that although you, you've had a really interesting career and now you've got your own business and, you know, you've got this position in um, women, women in, in games, you're still seeking for that mentorship. You're still understanding that you've got more to learn from other people. Oh, so totally. how important is mentorship to you, both receiving and also given? Do you know what? I think it, it's super important. And actually, I don't think there's ever a point when you stop learning, to be very honest. I think there's always something you can learn. And however much you know, you think of a mentor as someone being older or whatever up here, and I don't think that's necessarily the case. So mm. I think you can, you can have mentors from all different walks of life. They don't have to be in the same industry you're in, but just someone that you can think, gosh, you know, I, I do love to learn. I love to meet people. And I think having that connection where you're going, wow, you know, that person's doing this and they've, you know, done this in a certain way or whatever. And there are a couple of people in the industry, I I think, are are just fantastic as well, you know, and I think, wow, you know, I'd love to learn more. And I don't think you ever stop. I think, you you know, we all, anyone that sort of goes, yeah, you know, I've got this nailed, I think is slightly wrong. I think there is always this opportunity, to be honest, and slightly arrogant if you sit there thinking this. And I might, you know, I have my own company and I have very much a a certain voice of a way of how I believe brand partnerships should exist. But that doesn't mean, you know, that's taken a long time to get to this opinion, but that doesn't mean to say I won't, you know, someone else goes, oh, actually, I like this over here. And I'm like, actually, you know, that's really fascinating. Let's learn about that and see where that sits with my own thinking. And Mm -hmm. I think that's probably something as you get older, you start kind of honing down, how do I feel about things? And on the flip side, no, I I think mentoring sort of um, people coming into the industry or cutting into marketing is, is super important as well. And I, I must admit, I'm, I'm someone that really loves talking about my work or sharing it, or I'm always yeah. happy to sort of, I'm known. Um, I'm always happy to kind of, um, uh, you know, show people that or sit down and have a, a chat about it. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was at EA, I know I had a, a couple of people just saying, look, Lucy, can you show me what you're doing and how you're doing it? And, you know, it, it's great to have been able to talk people through it and then sort of talk about what they want from their careers. And, you know, look, I've had such a choppy career, although now I'm very settled. But really, you know, you just want to say to people, honestly, please go and do stuff that you enjoy doing. Otherwise, mm-hmm. what's the point? But no, I anyway, think- no, I think it's all super important. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think that's a very, very good point. Um, and, you know, I've, I've had mentors for many, many years. One of them is actually a 70-year-old who I always say that he saved my life. Him and his wife saved my life. Oh. Me for, for many years, since I was, I don't know, since I was like 19 or 20. Like, and they've always been there. It's, um, it's actually really interesting um, to hear from you the fact that you say, you know, I still need that sort of person that can, you know, hold my hand and pull me out. And, um, um, you know, I still need to learn. And I think it's really encouraging and really inspiring the fact that you still have your feet on the ground and you're like, I still have to learn. Yeah. No, I I don't. I I love learning as well. And I, I love getting absorbed in different areas and and kind of really learning about people and interest I mean one that comes up a lot is I'm 
with what I've done in video games and everything else is the streetwear scene. And I always find that really fascinating. And I know all like the street mm. up, you know, I want to learn more. And I know that, you know, of, of sort of origins of why this happened or that. And it, it's just fascinating. I'm such the person who goes down a rabbit hole on mm-hmm. on on Google or whatever when I've got something on I'm like oh where does that go and what happens here and all that and you just think it's fascinating no that sounds really really interesting <laughs> um I think it's really cool I mean it could be seen um, in two ways it could be um excitement for learning or obsessive behavior so <laughs> I don't know what <laughs> um, no I'm excited no do you know what I think it's it's easy to to go the other side. No, I promise you it's a line. Very fine line, this is very fine. <laughs> it's a fine line. <laughs> um, cool. So um now let me let me ask you a bit more about the work that you're doing and the impact essentially that you're you're having um in the games industry with um placing brands uh, with games. So mm-hmm. what obviously that's something that's happening now a lot more uh, there's been like some sort of like awakening to the fact that games is not just a geeky industry and <laughs> it's uh, it's really interesting to to hear the kind of work that you're doing so what do you think are new opportunities for brands and also for games uh, in terms of collaboration oh totally well actually the, the key word is you've said there is collaboration as well so collabs is obviously something people talk a lot about in the fashion industry or beauty and everything else and i think that's also wake sort of woken up um the industry in general that you know sort of i suppose fashion lifestyle everything is that they've realized that actually you know oh look at this over here this this looks really interesting it's in the games industry and realizing the the size and the opportunity and how actually people playing video games aren't just buying video games they're also buying clothes and and beauty products and music and all sorts of different things so what i i mean i do is as i said it's very much um, partner up brands and, and the games together but it can be for a variety of different reasons um, it could be for sort of an awareness situation or it could be to increase marketing dollars ultimately you know you can mm-hmm. pull two brands together and it means that they can sort of share social media or, or look at different ways to market it means that as a, as a sort of video game you can go into a work with a, another brand and you're speaking to an audience perhaps you wouldn't normally speak to um, mm-hmm. if you just kind of were only in the video games press or sphere with it. What I'm also doing with it is looking at how do we position the games, how's culture in the game, and how's culture outside. So by using other brands, we can totally um, change the feel of um, of the game or change the sort of give people a certain perspective. So I recently worked with Need for Speed, and I brought in 14 different streetwear brands into this game. Mm. There's everything from Adidas Originals to Marcello Ballon to Givenchy, Rick Owens, a huge variety. But what this does is it make, also makes the audience realize, oh, you know, these are streetwear brands I want to wear. So, you know, you realize who I am. You've got these cool brands. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we did some shoes with Puma and, and sort of took it from there. Um, and then actually with this game, the other bit we did was um, the car on the front of the game is a Polestar, which you now everyone knows a Polestar. Polestar is like the mm-hmm. Tesla for Volvo. Okay. So it's it's an amazing car. Um, you know, Need for Speed always has these souped up rims and everything. So we took the car, we added everything to it, and then we got it painted by a street artist and exhibited in Art Basel. 
And the reason we did this, which is obviously the Miami Art Show, is that mm. we it's it's pushing the games industry out into other places and culture, places you wouldn't normally expect to see it. And that's what's fantastic about what I'm doing is kind of it's it's not pushing it beyond the audience that would normally that would be interested, but just sort of giving it a different perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so that that very much is something I do. And uh, um, I also have done a wide variety of other bits. I've worked with brands like ASOS um, and sort of uh, we did something really cute with them with Sims Mobile. And basically, what I I think is for for brands is they've got to realize that the the video games industry is here it's not going to go away Mm -hmm. um next year they're proposing it's gonna be a 200 billion dollar industry it's it's here it's bigger than the movie and music industry combined video games are massive um brands need to really look at it that there is a theory at the moment that if you don't have a video games um strategy in 2020 it's like not having a social media strategy in 2010 so it's that impact. So people wow. need to be kind of, you know, you can imagine a company now not having social media or having any any kind of idea what they're doing with it. This is something that people really need to look at because if your audiences are there. There are so many people playing video games. And what coronavirus has done, I think, has made people realize, I think there's loads of people sitting at home going, oh, my God, that thing in the corner is really social. And there's an amazing array of games. And... Do you know what? You can't dual screen while you're playing video games, which mm-hmm. is the problem with uh, TV advertising and everything else is that watching a film, you can do a great partnership with a film, but people dual screen all the time. Can't do that with games. So you've got this incredibly engaged audience who are generally very brand loyal and there's tons of them. And, and you know, I suppose what other brands should be doing is looking at it and going, this is sort of a fascinating industry. What can we do? Can we impact it? You know, mm-hmm. how do we change it? How do we get involved? Um, so yeah, I, think I think there's loads of opportunity. Sorry, yeah. Oh, no, no, no. Sorry. Um, I think that that's a very interesting point just because uh, I spoke to a friend of mine who's head of marketing at, at a development studios in Poland. Yes. And what he raised is games are a interactive experience. Movies is a passive Music is passive. Oh, totally. You go and watch. You go and listen. Of course, you've got the the shows, live shows. There you go, and you can interact some sort of way. You know, you've got the audience around you, but you still have the artist, and that's you know quite far there. It's kind While, of like it's telling that story, but nothing back, isn't it? I suppose that's exactly. yeah. Yeah. So um, I think it's really interesting to actually uh, make people understand the fact that games is a uh, experience that is a you know, give a gift. It's uh, you are interacting directly with the story. You are creating the story whilst it's happening. Uh, and like movies, movies you cannot choose where to go, how to interact with it. No. Uh, I mean, there's been a few series that you well, know you I can mean, select. Black Mirror, you Black Mirror did the. Uh, I can't remember the name of it, but Black Mirror did one recently, didn't no. they? Where you choose everything. I mean, if you think that so far back to that's Dungeons and Dragons stuff. That was books from when we were, or books you were growing up with. Where turn to page six, yeah. do this. It's very video game based. It's, it's what the you know the um, heritage of video games really is Dungeons and Dragons, board games, mm-hmm. and then it kind of increased. Went from there. The other thing is, is don't forget, you know, games and the video games you create as well. There's tons of creators that are beyond the kind of Minecraft and those kind of games. We can create things and Sims and stuff. Yeah. 
people create add-ons, they create mods. It's it's an incredibly collaborative, creative place, um, mm. which is not what you do with with movies. You don't sort of go, oh, I've watched that movie, and actually, I think they missed a scene. <laughs> Let yeah. me add this in, and then I'll send it to uh, Martin Scorsese and see what he says. Um, but you know, <laughs> not where actually, if you look at lots of good games companies, you look at The Sims. Um, they have this amazing communities out there making different things and they, mm-hmm. they embrace it. They're like, oh my God, look at this fantasticness. So it's, it, and actually, the word I've just used is right, community. So you don't mm. get that so much in film or TV. I mean, you know, you get fan groups. Yes. People, I think, within the video games industry see it as a community. Mm-hmm. And I think that's lovely. Yeah, and it's it's a constant collaboration as well. Yeah, it's a... Um, it's, uh, you know, we, we spoke earlier about Discord groups, whereby you, you might be there uh, in a private Discord group with a 12-year-old kid or with one of the top gamers in the world. Yeah. And they're just at, they're at reach. And then at the same time as that, it's the fact that you're constantly interacting and these people are, it's not a fan anymore. It's just part of the game. It's like they help develop stories. They help develop worlds. Exactly. Just by being part of that community. Oh, totally. There's um, yeah. I mean, there's 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 so there's a there's a theory to do with football. So it's coming back from my sports law days, where you know the reason why football is so huge in the UK is because of the golden thread argument. So the golden thread argument is you could be playing for a Sunday League team, but you mm-hmm. still have that chance to win the FA Cup because you know ultimately it goes all the way down to the bottom. It's mm-hmm. exactly the same thing is that people are doing something and you feel, actually, I could affect something or, or make a check. You know, you could do something that, so you're saying these people are still within reach. I know that, you know, it's like influencers playing generally or they invite people to come and, and play with them. It, it's still very much in reach. And I suppose having them, you know, you, as a kid, you can watch influencers or esports players and things like that and be like, actually, I could still do that. There's, 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 there's very little barrier to entry beyond the console and the game or whatever. Um, and that's quite nice. It, it, it is, does feel a very, within reason, a pretty inclusive sort of, you know, the games industry is open to everyone. Okay. So on that point, I actually mm-hmm. want to ask you about uh, your work with um, women in games and um, to, you know, for you to both showcase and also explain, you know, the work that women in, in game um, are doing. And also your involvement in bringing a female figure to the forefront of the gaming industry. Uh, yeah, totally. So I've been working with Women in Games actually only since March. Um, and I'm currently a marketing director. But what Women in Games is doing is they have this mission for equity and parity for women within mm-hmm. and girls within the games industry. So what we're trying to do is very much say look, you know, we need to get more women in. We need to, this is a huge industry as we've talked about. Um, and how do we do this? So Women in Games has been set up, it's been going for sort of 10, 11 years. Um, mm-hmm. And we feel now it's a real tipping point. And, you know, we, 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 these, there are so many games companies that are looking to embrace things and see what they can do. Um, the, we recently worked with um, this gender balance agency called 21st and, and this um, amazing woman called Aviva Wittenberg-Cox. And she... And her company created some scorecards for the games industries, which basically took the top 14 games companies and then said, you know, 
what are, what's the percentage of women that are in 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 those in executive positions? So obviously, um, games industry is forty six percent of gamers are women, and there's only fourteen percent of women are in top senior positions. Mm. So this is something that women in games is looking to obviously change and encourage more women in. So we we do a variety of different things. We have ambassadors. We have individual ambassadors. We've now got educational ambassadors, which are big sort of uh, like Abate University is involved with us. I know mm. Roehampton is. We're getting more and more who are literally sitting there going like, what else can we do? And then we have our corporate ambassadors as well, which is sort of studios or publishers within the games industry. And actually people outside um, the the industry as well who just believe the game video games and supporting women into it is a positive um, and what's great is because we have this sort of amazing network it means that you know when the universities are looking for mentors we could go hang on a second we've got these amazing corporates over here who really want mm. to encourage more women and what can they do and it means we have this this sort of great network of, of being able to support each other as well mm. Um, so, you know, we run a conference every year. We're looking to do more events. We run, oh, well, there's a, I think there's going to be an esports webinar soon. We run uh, community events for our own community as much as sort of getting the word out. Um, and our CEO, Mary Claire Isman, she often, uh, she's spoken at parliamentary committees. She, um, really goes out there and, and tries to push for this, mm-hmm. um, and it is a lot of it is grassroots. A lot of it is getting girls into the industry. And as I said, it's not just. Well, I think I said to you, Alex, before was that it's not just um, coding either. This is not what the yeah. games industry is. And I think that's what maybe that puts people off as well, or puts girls off as they think, oh, you know, I've got to be a coder. And you don't. There's artists, and actually, there's loads of people who create the art for games who come from art backgrounds as well you know if that's the way you want to go or there's I mean look I'm marketing there's music there's um oh uh you know beyond the HR and the finance and everything else but I think what we're trying to do as well is you know even marketing wise is go look do you know what you want to go and be on the marketing for call of duty there's nothing stopping you as a woman but I'm not sure whether that puts people off so I'm hoping we can, you know, embrace everyone and go, please come in, come and join us in the games industry. And I think that this is a good point. So it's embracing everyone. Something that we mentioned earlier is that it's not just for women come and join. It's also bringing in men because yeah. at the end of the day, it's about education. And there's, there's a lot of, uh, there's a huge lack of education uh, uh, in, you know, in men thinking yeah. that, you know, there's a lot of people that still have this very old school way of thinking where, you know, games are for boys. And, oh, no, totally, totally. Um, you know, it still happens, still happens that, um, you know, you go and watch a live stream where there's a girl that is playing games and you will see very nasty comments while you, you will see exactly. a guy doing the exact same job, playing the exact same, same game. And there will be, you know, obviously trolls, but you know, like everything else, but the the difference, the toxicity that there is when you go and join a live streaming uh, performance, a live stream from a female gamer is absolutely insane. So um, you also... Uh, we no, also, totally. Uh, it, it totally is, and uh, you know, it's something we've discussed as well. And uh, yeah. I think it's, it's, it's horrendous 
to be honest, there are some there are some awful people out there, without a doubt, right? And there are people mm. who enjoy sitting behind the anonymity of the internet. Um, mm. Very much like social media and someone like Twitter, you're going to find these people. This is just what's going to happen. Mm. What hopefully is going to happen, though, is that I know that there are certain games out there where certain companies, I think Activision is one of them, that are really trying to embrace trying to stop this toxicity how can they do it but at the moment we, we we're still at the start of the journey with this i think or the or the beginning of the journey and that people are realizing you know there does need to be lots of tools in place and how do we police it and i think you know there are people out there trying i know there's um in latam there's an amazing company called gamer safer which i i couldn't tell you what exactly they do but i know they're creating technology that can be put into the games that basically will help stop that toxicity or will kind of remove people immediately presumably when certain words are said it is a problem and you know actually having our women in games conference the other week we we were uh, concerned about it as well because if you do get trolls that turn up even at conferences um mm. uh, physical and real uh, and online and i know that the other day um well some of my colleagues were at the um games for change uh conference and i think that apparently someone decided to post uh, rick astley never going to give you up every yeah. single line to the whole song on the chat and it was all a race between <laughs> the person deleting it and you know mm. that's not major trolls really annoying but you know these things do happen uh, i mean the way we looked at it was going right we we need to put some kind of paywall up so we did a minimal dollar you know ten dollar fee to be able to come to the conference because of I think when you start doing, the more obstacles you can do, the less trolls you're going to have. So by having a bit of a paywall where you've got to register and you've got to do this, hopefully that makes people think twice. And then also, like, when do your ticket sales end or whatever, you know, can should everyone be allowed to put anything they want on chat, I suppose, in those spaces that you're talking about, Alex? You know, should there be... Them going right. If you want to put something in chat, it's got to be through some other filtration method first. You know, email us the questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have five people that are just you know mod- moderate that side? Um, but I, you know, I think there's loads of people out there that are really pushing to do the right thing. You know, to 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 make it a safer place. And I think the industry is more and more aware of the toxicity. So we're mm-hmm. definitely looking at how it can change. Um, but actually, I think I mentioned to you, Alex, as well before at the conference we discussed it. And there's a brilliant report by Brighter that did it um, last year about the toxicity. And actually, they also looked at men and not mm. men being the ones to give the toxicity, but actually they're also Absolutely. impacted. So, mm. you know, it is it is an in- industry problem. But, you know, I think there is some positivity where people are looking to change it and try mm. and do something. <laughs> No, I think that this this is actually a really interesting point, and um, uh, yeah, hopefully, you know, putting putting all these filters will avoid people joining these chats and and yeah. you know, bringing this sort of nasty comments, um, and at the same time, making sure that men have that drive and and the, you know, just the mindset of saying, you know, I'm not a troll, so I'm going to join you know, certain movements, so like women in, in games, no. to bring an example, to kind of be there and say, guys, if you're not a troll, you need to come here because we need to actually 
you know, bring this cause to the forefront. We need to actually try to educate because it's about education. If you if you just let someone get away with insulting uh, someone online, they will carry on doing it. So, no, totally, totally. I agree with you. And actually, you know, you need advocates. All groups need advocates. So, you mm. know, like women in games, we do embrace men being part of it because if we need advocates we need allies and things don't happen if it's just women pushing it you need you know you need a a collective group to go for it Mm -hmm. and people that understand what's going on so no I agree with you completely um I do have one last question about this sort of work around um you know fighting trolls and it's more about um mental health side so um I'll give you a quick scenario Uh, yesterday I was managing the live stream of one of the artists I work with. We had over 140,000 unique viewers. Uh, It was a live performance. She was singing and playing piano. Very simple. Now, there was a huge amount of very nasty comments. There was a PayPal link. And then someone started saying, oh, I I didn't know the live stream was prostitution now. Why do you have to pay for doing this? And then the whole thread of insults and very horrible things were being said on that chat. And I was feeling so horrified. Like I generally, yeah. couldn't, I, I, I couldn't really sleep and it was not even towards me. No, so okay. this is something that really discourages, again, in this situation, it really discourages this artist. And again, being on a public, uh, uh, you know, showcase. Very your, much, yeah. It's very, very challenging. So is there any sort of, mental health support that you guys are offering is there anything that it's on the you know on the backlog that you're going to start launching to be able to support you know what i think we are looking at different tools at the moment and i know that um there is something that we have discussed quite a bit about maybe sort of setting things up i think Mm -hmm. you know however much women in games said we we have 300 ambassadors in 40 countries. We are a part-time staff of about three or four. We're really small, but we are trying our hardest to see what we can change. And without a doubt, we've actually talked about a helpline to be able to set up or some kind of way that, that, and and getting support from within the industry as well, from company, games companies and things to say, look, you know, this is something that, that needs looking at exactly like that with the mental health side of it i mean i think that's awful what's even worse when you're saying that and saying this is pretty much prostitution oh my god that's horrendous but also you want to go but so you want her to sing for free you think women get paid for working Mm -hmm. you know and and i think these trolls also they always come up with the thing you least expect them to say you think i know what they're gonna say (laughs) and you're like what but no i mean you know it's definitely something we're looking at and if we can that's part of where we're looking to grow women in games and you know mm. what we can do to support i mean we're very much you know it's very easy to talk about things but whatever action you can do as well is important so that is something that's that's on our, our list of actions we're looking at without a doubt yeah no i, I really hope that you this yeah, yeah. Uh, really really the best of life with that and um obviously with you know everything that you do with the partnerships and um, so lucy i would like just to wrap it up uh, with a bit more advice so um, let's end it with a very happy note hopefully <laughs> and get your top three tips for brands that are looking to work with games and to reach 
new audiences? New audiences. Um, so firstly is obviously get a game strategy <laughs> after I've said this. It's actually have a bit of a plan because it's very easy. Like whenever you're doing brand partnerships or, you know, like just slap a logo on somewhere, one hit, it's never going to look good. Right, have mm. a bit of thought process about it, you know, and, and really investigate Um I think just come up with a strategy, work out the audiences you've got, work out the audiences you're looking to to acquire, what the type of games you're looking at. Would you be prepared to work with 18 plus rated games where they're Mm -hmm. shooting arms or blood or whatever? You know, I suppose it's sort of really sit there and work out who you are and and kind of um, have that strategy. And then from there, it, it probably is, is also to do some some real investigation because it very is easy to say, oh, I want FIFA, it's big. And that's, that might not be right for your game. And if you yeah. if you're for your brands, and if you're a brand that, you know, you know your audience and make sure that you're you're not doing them a disservice by partnering with just this big game, you know, is it a smaller game, a more focused game might be actually a better way to go forward. Mm-hmm. Um and I suppose it's just one of those things is as as a brand, just continue to embrace it when you get approached by companies, by games companies, really mm-hmm. look at it. Um, don't dismiss it as 14-year-old boys in bedrooms. It really isn't. Um, <laughs> the games industry is huge. It's growing and it's not going anywhere. So mm-hmm. that's my tips. <laughs> Awesome. Well, uh, Lucy, thank you so much. Thank you so much for your insight, your, you know, your incredible fun personality. And um, (laughs) thanks so much for for being on the show. No, thank you very much, Alex. And thanks for letting me join. No, thank you. And um, thank you, everyone, for joining for another episode of Small Talk No More. I'm Alex, and I'll see you next week. (laughs)